You're listening to the Counting Lights Podcast with Chris Dimity and Dan Danzy. Counting Lights Podcast, where comedy and wrestling lock up. Hey everybody, Dan here with the Counting Lights Podcast. Hope you enjoyed that last episode with the interview of gorgeous Gary Young. We got another interview for this episode, so stick around. Before we get to that, just a couple of reminders. For those of you in the Houston area, Chris and I will be performing October 7th at Rudyard's Get your tickets now. We also have a future Counting Lights wrestling event coming up. For all that information, look us up on social media. Uh, Twitter at Counting underscore Lights. Facebook.com slash Counting Lights Podcast. Or send us an email at the Counting Lights Podcast at gmail.com. Now, without further ado, here is Chris's interview with the manimal himself, Bull Pro. And we're back with the County Lights podcast. Uh, I am on location here in, at the Irving Convention Center. Uh, Dan is MIA today, and so I'm on my own. So uh, all you Dan haters out there, enjoy it. <laughs> so I'm here. Uh, I have uh, I've had a really good time today. Um, seeing some of the old timers and some of the, the guys that I want to, you know, went across the road with. Uh, one of the guys is right here today. I call him little bull. He's known as the 300 pound manimal. Hey, I'll, I'll say hello. Uh, You'll I'll say little. little bull too. Cause you know, I mean, me and bull man were tagging and somebody had to be little bull. Bull man downs. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, uh, uh, give me an idea. Like, uh, how'd you, how'd you kind of start out in the business there, bully? Well, uh, I was, I was playing football, and it wasn't going anywhere after high school, more than more so just a you know good high school football player or whatever, and then uh, on to the next thing, and and the next thing I was at a uh, mall in Grapevine, and they were promoting that Rodney and Jazz were going to have a school. So you were in Grapevine, Texas. Grapevine, Texas, right. and at the Grapevine Mills Mall, they had a uh, pro wrestling shop right out in front of. Uh, uh, the entry one or whatever. So Rodney and Mack and Jazz were put were, together a school. Yeah, okay. they, and they were gonna. Uh, they were char- you know like it was like come to this building and and have a tryout. And I went in and I had a tryout and like right after practice, Rodney was like, "You're already the best heavyweight in the state of Texas," you know. Like, <laughs> and it and it, natural and like, ability. And and I wish I would have believed him then. Because I mean, it would have it would have happened faster for me sure. if I'd have just believed right. him at that point. But you know, you know, you know, I'm just a little kid. Like I was 18 years old, and I just you know, 18 I, years, 18 years old. So yeah. I got in the business. I was 21. That's still pretty young. But yeah. I mean, some of the guys get in the business a little later now. But uh, yeah, that's boy, you were. I mean, you were green as grass, weren't you? Dude, like I mean, the the goose shit was showing. You no know? shit. Like, that's uh, right. Um, but uh, like I went through and I trained with him. All the way up until him and Jazz went to New York, and um, was able to just. You, you know. Sorry about that. I was a guy who who went with him at the tryout for <laughs> WWE, and I put him over so good they had to hire him. Finally, right, yeah. right. And then you know, like uh, when I was with them, like they were traveling to ECW and and going back and forth sure. there. And then that kind of like right as I broke in is exactly like the time that ECW and WCW both kind of folded right at, at the same time. And then like wrestling paydays kind of dried up. Like there was like a handful of indies that you could get paid on or you, you know, or you had to work for WWE or overseas or if you were going to make yeah, any I remember, money. I remember seeing you at, uh, at NWA Southwest, North Richland Hills. 
and I remember seeing you at PCW quite a bit, and you were just a green kid back then. But, yeah. You know, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, when you have that kind of ability, like Rodney's able to see it. Rodney Mack is able to see that kind of ability. And so uh, to, to for you, to, was, it, was it tough for you to actually get booked on shows even though you're a Rodney student? Yeah, you know, I think uh, uh, roundaboutly it might have even been tougher to get booked on shows with Rodney, that, that especially that he wasn't there at. Sure. Like if I was traveling with him and we were out of town or whatever. Yeah, for then sure, it was a lot easier. They, yeah. were, they were like, oh, you're Rodney's boy. You're right in there. Like in my very first match ever, I tagged with Brickhouse Brown against Coco Beware and Robert Gibson. No shit. That was my very first, like, that I consider my, And you like, were 18 years old. And yeah, 18. Holy shit. Yeah, and uh, and like I went right out and stiffed the shit out of Coco right off the bat, and <laughs> and like he and, and instead like, of lighten up, kid. Yeah, like and in the in the back, like after the match, he just came up to me and goes, he goes, look, you got a lot of a lot of stuff going for you, but yo, those punches, you got to work on those. And he'd like sat there in the locker room and taught me how to punch, like right there. That's cool. And then That's I, the Tennessee way, man. Yeah. That's the Tennessee way. Yeah, and those guys, do Coco was always a big supporter, like right off the bat, like I mean. I would go up there and work for like Luke Graham and and guys in Memphis and 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 those guys would help me out and get booked and stuff like that. And then like when I would come back here, a lot of the places didn't book me. And I don't know, you know, like I'm not going to I'm not going to like say that it was all their fault either, because I mean, I knew I was good. Right. And like, I mean, you know how it is. You get you get kind of a, a little bit of an attitude and, yeah, a little bit and you of an know attitude, right? you know you're good and you're watching guys that are the shits go in front of you yeah. and you're like what did i do why am i not doing this right why what tell me I? about my career bro yeah you know? yeah I mean, yeah exactly and and it's a lot of us right there's a lot of us that like you break in and you like you broke in with chris and 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 so there's automatically that idea that like i don't know that i'm gonna book this guy over here just because he's chris's dude yeah they, or, they would do that like there were uh, you know, there were times when i got in the business especially in the early 90s that like you know uh folks wouldn't necessarily want to book because i was chris's guy you know and you know I've, i was trained by chris and and and, and chico and, and and i was in the same training camp as stone cold steve austin and like they were like yeah uh, you know we don't want him coming in here and kind of you know it was my idea is that, that you know, they didn't want to book me because they didn't want me to come in there and show up their boys. Right. They don't want you to get over, right. like, because they know you're going to. Like, they know you're good. They know that you can work because you've, like, put that work into it. Like, they are, they're those same guys that were getting booked in front of me were all the same guys that were watching me be there five nights a week for five hours a night and getting better every day. Working and out. hitting the weights yeah. with Rodney and then getting in the ring and we'd do three, four hours. And then we would, like, we'd invite people and we would do their camps, like, like Jeremy Jett would come in and Jer- we would do Jeremy's stuff just so we had people to practice with because right. no one was going to come train with us on our nights. Like right. no one was going – like you'd see guys come in and they'd be there for a night and then they'd be on the side of the ring like throwing up and stuff and like – like we, they didn't want to uh, come back. They didn't want to come back and do it and right. pay, the, pay the price. Right, because it was right. hard. I mean it was hard work and you were going to be there and there was no let up and, and like – I've kind of we, me and Rodney kind of laugh about it now because like if if he trained guys today the way that he trained us back then, they're like he'd break them in, in right. minutes. And right. and but we but yeah, you get you have to be a little bit more patient with these guys and 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 the, you know usually the conditioning uh, aspect of a lot like we got you got to admit a lot of the guys now we didn't have that functional training of the way they functionally. Uh, weightlift now 
the uh, you know the the kettlebells and the and the maces and the uh, CrossFit shit and all that stuff that's focused on like being good for a certain type of sport. I know because my son's a, my my son's 15 years old and he's training. He's weightlifting nothing like like I grew up weightlifting in the 80s. Right, right. Like, we were doing bench incline and squats. Yeah, we were and- we were trying to fucking throw up heavy weight and yeah. we all wanted to look like fucking. John Matuzak or fucking Lyle Alzado or yes. fucking the Road Warriors, you yeah, know? Yeah, we were, we were all trying to get that aesthetic instead of that, uh, right. like, flexibility We wanted pretty training. muscles. Yeah. Yeah, 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 we weren't really going for that, like, strength, tr- like, strengthening your tendons and, and making your flexibility better. We were just trying to get big. Yeah, but na- nowadays, like, you know, that uh, let's, let's make them want to, let's make them want to pack up and go home. You know that type of that uh, mentality is that gone, mentality is yeah. gone, bro. B- because because it not only comes with a guy mad at you or mad at the business or whatever, it also comes with a lawsuit because yeah, they shit. threw up or some shit, right, and they right. want you, you yeah. know they want to they want to get theirs. You become know, become a very litigious society when it comes to that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, so you struggled through some of the local promotions, but then you were still getting booked uh, with Rodney. You know, doing shows for ECW and doing stuff in Memphis and. And uh, so when Rodney packed that pack up, and how did that change your career when they had to go to WWE? Um, you know, really, it, it made me, like, tougher than I'd ever been in my entire life because, you know, I was trading with Kevin Douglas at the same time, and Kevin also decided, like, I'm going to get my shit together and not just focus on wrestling. I'm going to work more uh, on on actually like getting my life together and having a backup plan to right. go into. So he he went and got like his personal trainer certificate and became one of the better personal trainers in Fort Worth. And, and now, I mean, still to this day, he does personal training in, in Florida and runs a gym and, right. and still has a huge clientele and works with professional athletes. And, and the independent, the independent uh, uh, kind of landscape, if you will, had, had changed at that point, hadn't it? Right, because, I mean, even, even in the early to mid 90s there were still quite a few shows going on that were like somewhat territorial based but like by the time I was in everything was over and it was all it was all like show to show hopefully you can get some bookings and then and then like you know I'd work here in San Antonio and Houston and and then I'd start then then it like became even more difficult when like Oklahoma and Louisiana started going to commissions and then you couldn't get work in those local states and, unless you actually uh, carried a card from that state right and then that and that the, they made it so hard for promotions to run and so like all those good little promotions that you had that you were working that like you know you're picking up a hundred bucks and you're making a little merch money all that's gone because those guys can't afford to keep paying the guys a hundred bucks and having all the stuff that they needed with the, with right, the, with the commission commission and all that yeah yeah, yeah Louisiana was bad. Oklahoma was bad at one point. Uh, Arkansas wasn't ever really great. It's a little easier now than it has been in the past. Right. Um, and then Missouri too. Missouri Harley. The Harley made sure that the commission was, you know, on his side. Sure. Up there, you know, <laughs> right. Right. Harley Race. Right. <laughs> yeah, because he was running shows out there. Yeah. And then, uh, so kind of, kind of, let's get into the how you came up with the the manimal. A persona, and when you started doing that, how that changed your career? We well, we were kind of we were working out, and we would call ourselves the Manimals, and and it was kind of like a joke. And, half and, man, half animal. Yeah, right? half man, half man. So animal did, and, did you know that's what they they used to call Randy White? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was half man, and, half half animal. And right. and, and like I, I just kind of was like. I didn't know anything about the TV show. I didn't know anything about any of that stuff. I just like I, I knew the manimal, and I and and I and like I kind of like looked at it, and 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 Kevin looked at me, and he was like, "Dude, I, I don't think you can ever go like without a beard the rest of your life, or at least as long so as you're grew, wrestling." You, so, so, I, so you grew your hair so out. I grew you grew the, the hair, beard, the beard grew out. The beard, and then I was kind of starting to wrestle barefoot, but I was still wearing a singlet. I was still going by bull. Everybody, you know, everything was pretty much the same. Just right. being kind of a a heel that would, you know, a good hand, right. a good hand that could work. And, good journeyman work. Yeah, yeah. And then kind of like from there, I was able, like, I, I started like thinking about like, what can I do to change the, change it into something different? And then like the manimal just kind of started with like, I, I got like this, this big thing of fur that like people make rugs out of and stuff. And like, I was like, let's make this into like a pelt and like, and wear fur, and then I came up with like the idea, like the one like, arm oh, singlet. Yeah. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And it started. It was two. It was two in the beginning, and then like one day, like the the strings just kind of fell out, and I didn't, I couldn't find them, so I just hooked them underneath, and I was like, oh man, the under the one arm looks so much better than the two, and and like just kind of just kind of went from there. That character took off for you. Didn't it, it? it did, yeah. Like I mean, I, I was kind of working around here, and nobody got it, you know. Like nobody was like, they're like, oh, that's still bull, you know. Like like, but but here I am, like you know, like I, I start going places, and then like it really takes off as a baby face gimmick. It really like I didn't expect. It to be a babyface gimmick, but then when it when it took off that way, there was no there was no way to get in get in the way of it, and it just kind of got over everywhere it was, and like people would like at first they'd be like kind of skeptical of me as a as a worker, and then they'd see the gimmick, and then I'd go out there and work, and they would be like, okay, yeah, here's our next ten shows, you know, like sure, and, and then and it just kind of spitballed to where like I started doing TV in LA, and that kind of like that kind of really up. where it took off for you yeah. that whole. You started doing the uh, L.A. circuit mm -hmm. and uh, up and down the coast of California. Yeah, and then it started then as soon as, like, uh, it got from L.A. and then it started moving to San Francisco. And then from San Francisco, it started working its way up to Portland and Seattle and, and all the all those points in between with Las Vegas and Reno. And, and like, I just became, like, a commodity out there. And, and, and guys would, you know, like, they'd take care of my travel to get there, and then I'd have three or four guys that wanted to pay me in the weekend, and then it, it just became... And one show became two shows. And, and the, the yeah. And, and all of a sudden, you had a full week of shows that you could do. And, and the next thing you know, I'm starting to make a little bit of money at pro wrestling, and, and it was, like, kind of beyond me, you know? And, and, and I, I didn't... I didn't really understand it at first because like I didn't realize that like what I had and then like when I kind of popped it together that like what I needed to do to get to that next level like it all kind of came together and like I was able to like start putting the merch together and start putting the the, uh, the work together and start putting the bookings together and it'd go from west coast one weekend east coast the next weekend I'd be in the south one weekend I'd be in the north one weekend I'd be in the midwest the next weekend and then all of a sudden it yeah was the port Portland and Seattle and uh, those areas were good for you too yeah they? yeah and it, and it was just like everywhere I would go I'd start having a little bit more following and people would like you know like I mean it went from it went from one person that was starting to like get behind me into whole crowds that were getting behind me and I was just able to just scrape together some money and put together a savings account and and you know I mean like I'm and just, work the business side of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like I learned the complete work. Like I didn't like, like I didn't learn just how to work in the ring. I learned how to to work on the road and and how to hustle. 
at the same time, like you get on the road and you start hustling, you don't, it, it isn't just a one day, you know, one, one time thing. You just start hustling and you figure out your hustle. And once you've got your hustle, you're good. Yeah. So, uh, what, uh, really worked out with, for you was the birch. The, the merchandise you really you made a shit ton of money off your merchandise kind of you we kind of talked about what your theory was with the merchandise and what your focus and goals was it turned to that like it turned to like it was like okay if i get if i have this is a great lesson for young wrestlers yes because if you can find that niche in your merchandise now i remember I remember in the late 90s when I when we were working, in the early 2000s, we were working for WWF, and I'd had that conversation with Steve, and he, was, he would explain to me how they worked their merchandise and, and how much kind of money quarterly he was making off his T-shirts, you know, with the whole Austin 316 thing, yes. and, then, and then making small changes to the T-shirts because so every time people came back, they wanted something new. Yes. Yeah. And so that was kind of get, give an yeah, idea of how that, that worked was, out with the manimal. So like at first, like I would have like eight by tens, like all the all the guys, you know, all the guys. Because you were, were baby facing everywhere you went. Yeah. I was, and you then, were kind of like Captain Caveman, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And, and like and then like it, it started like like I could see that on the wall, and I would be like, okay, like if I get like a selection, if I have eight by tens, and I have foam bones, and I have buttons, and I have t-shirts, and I have caps, and I have this, then there's something for everybody. And then and then you know like then you work the gimmick where hey, I'll sign anything. For for you as long as you buy one thing off of my merch booth right. or I'll take as many pictures as you want with me as long as you buy one thing off of my merch booth and then like that would turn into like I remember one night I was in Las Vegas and there were like maybe 500 people in the crowd and I walked in there with 300 bones I walked out of there with like four so you would like you took an idea of the the whole uh Hulk Hogan foam finger yes. number one foam finger thing yes and so when you would come to the ring you would carry a big uh, like a a soup bone what was it a femur yeah, or something like from a cow, cow, cow yeah, like right. a cow femur yeah. yeah right and you would chew on the cow bone like the not not much different than like kind of like the way the moon dogs did that their gimmick you right know? yeah and, and that's so you came up with an idea and instead of a foam finger you created a foam bone right and i found out that kids really do love foam like it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't have to be if it foams yeah, itself the, the kids will buy it yeah they all have to have one and and you know like i, I learned that i learned that one night i learned that the hard way because i left probably two hundred dollars on the table by not having enough no shit and i so i made sure like the net that like i'll never not have enough again right but i was taking like shots that guys were trying to pay me 25 40 bucks whatever you know cheap ass rates and then i would just to have a good crowd and then you could you make it up on the march yeah then i'd turn it into a thousand dollar night and then you know like and then i'd pair that thousand dollar night with three more on the week and then the next thing you know you've got an actual income coming in yeah and then then you're making more money than some of the boys that are working for some of the larger organizations right right. and 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 working a harder schedule than those guys working more dates and working more because the commodity is there and I mean like from 2011 to like 2014 I was working like 160 dates a year wow yeah like I mean every, every that's unheard weekend. of yeah, nowadays yeah, especially no. 
especially somebody who's not working. Well, of course, even the guys that are working for WWE now don't work that kind of schedule. No. They work three, four days yeah, a week. Yeah, and, it, and it's mostly like two TV dates a year. Right. Like they don't even do the house shows like they used to. Even prior to like COVID happening, like their house shows were down, you know, so where they weren't doing as many house yeah, shows. Yeah, like so. sometimes, sometimes they're not even doing house shows. Like they're just trying, they're making their money off of TV deals. And and so the house shows aren't really producing the way they want to. Right. Anyway. So they're paying more for the buildings and that stuff than actually making money on the house shows. And so, like, I just kind of took that and, like, I just I just ran with the idea of doing as many dates as I could in a year. And and that was how it went. And Making they, it up on merch, yeah, man. Yeah. Making and, it up on merchandise. And then just, you know, using guys like, oh, hey, I got some stuff in Mexico. You want to come do some stuff in Mexico? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and do the same stuff on the border towns. I would sell as much merch as I would in any of the other places. Like well, Back when I got in the business, anybody that would, could, could go and get a $1,000 a night like that, that was unheard of, man. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean that's that's big money if you were working for if you were making $1,000 a night, you know? It was huge. It was huge. And 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 here I am this guy never had a tryout with anybody in my entire life. Nobody's ever given me a shot at anything. I've never I mean, you know, like places like Ring of Honor and all those places would come through town and they wouldn't call me. They wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't hit me up and I don't know I I mean it wasn't like I was working towards that either because I was making a living. So, I mean, I just I never got to try out with anybody. The whole time in my whole career I've never had a try out with anybody, but I've always I've always managed to make money. That's incredible, man. That's that's uh that was that's just it's that's uh you know in today's market and then in the market your big years were what two, two uh the 2000 2010 was that probably yeah 2010 2014 uh, 14 at the end of 14 i had a neck injury that kept me out a whole year um just because i didn't want to have the surgery and the doctor didn't thought it would heal on its own and it did it did it, it was just just you know, took time. Yeah, just wrestling wasn't exactly good for it. Yeah, that's the worst thing you could yeah. possibly have for your neck. Yeah. For your do, do for your neck. It's crazy, right? That wrestling's so bad for your neck. But, yeah. But then you know, like I mean, but then whenever I came back, the the magic just wasn't there anymore. Right. And like, and and it, I don't even think it was that that it, it lost it, it. It was more like I didn't have the want to to like be on the road every weekend right. for the rest of my life. You kind of slowed down a little bit, you know, and uh, kind of became a little bit more of a family man. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and since 2019, my wife has been dealing with with colorectal cancer, so I've been pretty much so by been her, her side. Her main caregiver throughout the yeah, process. Yeah, and, and make sure she gets all her doctor's appointments and stuff like that because the chemotherapy had given her neuropathy, so driving isn't exactly sure. a thing that's, you know, uh, you know, I don't want her to do as much, do as little driving as, as she has as to. As possible, yeah. right, right. Well, that's understandable. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, I mean, you, you see what's important in life and, like, I mean, wrestling is, will always be important to me, and it'll always be my, you know, one of my true loves in life. But at the same time, like, she'll always be more important to me than sure, wrestling. Sure, family, and, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, and it takes us a while. We're so in love with the wrestling business that it takes us a while to, to come to those conclusions because we put, we put the wrestling business uh, before everything. Everything. And, and when uh, important things, when when family becomes more important, that's when your life really kind of changes, and you realize how rewarding it is 
to you know the things that you've done are rewarding, but to having a family, you can't. It's just yeah, you realize how how important those people are to you and how much like because I mean there were there were fifteen the first fourteen years of my wrestling career I put it before everything and like what you don't realize is like as you get better at wrestling you get worse at every other aspect of, <laughs> of your, your entire life, life. No yeah shit. yeah like as you get better at wrestling like all those other things that you used to be able to juggle around you can't do it anymore because you're always on the road or you're always doing whatever it is to- you can't build a family it's almost impossible I know you know I I lost a marriage to to uh, the, the wrestling business, yeah. and uh, and it's it's not until you kind of start putting those things in front of the wrestling business that you really realize, you know, uh, maybe I've been looking at this a little wrong. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I mean, in your twenties, it's cool to be on the road every every week. Oh, it's the and, it's the most yeah, fun you'll ever have. But as you get older and you get into your later thirties and your early forties and stuff, you know, I mean, like. Uh, like that, like that movie, The Goods. It just kind of looks pathetic that you're on the road right, every week, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like in, in, you know, uh, <laughs> you kind of get to that point where it's like you're like, Man. what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, what, yeah. And that was a lot of it. Like when I came back, I was like, what the fuck am I doing here in Tennessee? Whenever I need to be at home, no or shit. why am I here? Why am I here? You know, like, and I started questioning those things. And the moment you start questioning what you're doing is the moment that like you're not into it like you were. Well, uh, you know, uh, you we had, we talked a little bit before that uh, you kind of created a relationship with uh, my mentor Gary Hart too. You were lucky yeah. enough to have him in your life, and yeah, and cool so, dude. Oh, dude, that's, can you tell some of the stories that you oh, know the road stories, or can you not? No, no, because I mean, most of it is just kind of like you know wrestling banter but i will say this that like i learned more and you know there was there were, never were really any incidents with gary like especially you know 2001 2002 sure. because he was he was so well respected that everybody took care of him and everybody did right by him and all that stuff so there were never were any incidents or anything like that with him it was always just learning the business and getting an idea of what what they offer you know like what i can offer to other people and what you know like like that idea like like between between like gary and killer brooks and you and kit and bullman downs and the kongs those guys like they all just kind of smartened me up so much that like like I well, could. that's a big crew to learn the business from, yeah, man. Yeah, and and and, and 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 like all of you guys were so close, and all of, like like whenever I was working with you guys, and then working with Gary on the side, like like I would learn different things, different integral things from him that I wouldn't learn from you guys because he was more of a a booker, more of a a, a behind the scenes kind of cat that knew like these these integral parts that like no one else knew because he was in on it, you know, like, and so I would learn a lot about booking and learn a lot about like, like you don't book stuff through angles. You book stuff through guys wrestling. Yeah. Actually, uh, actually learning the psychology of the wrestling business, but the learning, it's not ring psychology. It's the psychology of the business behind the scenes. Yeah. It's like business psychology, like life psychology that he like sets you up with. Do you feel like that, that some of that paid off for you during the manimal no doubt like i mean like the first thing that like i saw was that's my fucking worth like my worth is big like like just because you're not getting paid your worth doesn't mean that you can't make your worth right because there's nobody in the business right now that's getting paid their worth right you know like these, these are like anybody that can come in here and pop a crowd is a million dollar commodity right 
and so nobody's getting paid a million dollars so you have to find your worth on other places and like that's what i learned figure out and that's what you learned that's what you did with the merchandise yeah, yeah and and i mean sure it took a lot of blunts to get me to that point with gary <laughs> but you know like he would he, he oh always, gary loved the kitchy guy oh man. man you know the medicine was <laughs> the, the, the green medicine was always preve- prevalent with gary and and you know that was always breaking in with rodney and jazz and the, you know i don't want to throw right, them out on the right. money, you know but but like like all, all all that has always been like that through my career. creative yeah. side that you notice that creative side kind of leans toward that too you yes. know it's like yeah. you, you have time to think and it's that inner monologue that that turns on for you and i know that gary kind of kept the the uh, voices quiet for gary you know and the, one thing he taught me that uh, that i've always kept with me is that like that when you're cutting a promo you shouldn't know anything you want to talk about in the promo besides the who, what, why, where, and when. And, like, all the other stuff Let needs to go. come from the heart. Like, if, if that other stuff doesn't come from the heart, then it doesn't mean anything. I think that's where the wrestling business nowadays has lost it. Nothing, you, come, nothing has any emotion. Yeah, because it's, it's written down in a script. And you, you find that emotion when you are standing in front of a, a camera and you're talking to that camera as if it's your next opponent that you're going to be wrestling in the Omni in Atlanta, you know, on May 5th, Yeah, you know, right. Like, you know, that's all, you know, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, those, you know, the what, when, where, why, you know, that's and, all, you know. And once you get those things across, you create the, the emotion. It it's all your yeah, emotion. Like, right. Like if nobody believes that you hate that opponent, then no one's going to ever believe it. Like if you can't tell them once that you hate that person and they believe it, they're not going to believe it the second time. Well, it's one of the things that I constantly uh, uh, talk about with my co-host Dan, that's usually on the podcast with me, uh, that, uh, that it, we, I have this adage that the, the wrestling business will never come back the way it, it was until they give the wrestling business back to the boys. Yeah, I, I, and I think like the 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 far the more and more that wrestling becomes um, anybody can do it, the farther and farther that, that gets away. Because not anybody can do it. There's a lot of guys that are in here having wrestling matches right now, like not right here right now or whatever, but like right. in the wrestling business right now that they don't need to be having wrestling matches. Right. They don't need to be in the wrestling business. Right. They don't, they, and, and I think there's too many people that aren't, are, are, are afraid to tell people like, hey, maybe pro wrestling isn't for you, the but there thing. might be something for you in the pro wrestling business. Right. And that's like where where we've gotten away from that, and sure. and, and and there's there's there aren't those guys that just it's easier to take their money. Well, I think it's uh, I think unfortunately it's just the progression and the evolution of what the wrestling business eventually has become, and you know you think it, it eventually when you think it's a certain way, and then eventually those people become come into power in the business and and all of a sudden it is that way yeah you know what i'm saying yeah like you know we the the business was different before i got into it and then you cherish those times that you when you get in the business that you learn and things things are so you know secretive and quiet and the business is a certain way and it's so guarded and then 
and then it changes. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's unfortunate, but I'm afraid it's just the evolution of the business. I think I think so, too. And I think, like, having access to all the wrestlers all the time. And yeah, social, like media social media has really changed. Really, because, like, the, like the kayfabe aspect of pro wrestling, it's it's easy for anybody to just tell the secrets, and it doesn't have yeah, to be somebody the, that even the, knows them. Once the internet, of course, when I got in the business, I got in the business in, in 89, and, and there was no... There was no cell phones. There was no internet. There was, you know, but 10 years later, boy, the business really started to change heavy. Yeah, and know? then when that internet, like when people started getting on the internet and, and chat rooms and message yeah. boards and everybody had an, had an and opinion. And smart marks. And yeah, and everybody had this opinion. And, like, for some reason, like, somewhere along the line, like, people decided that, like, the opinion of the smart mark was more important than the opinion of the wrestling Rather, but here was right. Yeah, like. The and, boys. Yeah, like, I mean, and I, I and. And I see it a lot, you know, like, I mean, guys will ask me, oh, how was my match? And you'll tell them how your match was. And they're like, oh, well, that motherfucker don't know what he's talking about anyways, you know. So, it, like, that, like, what'd you ask me for then? Right. You know, like, I mean, like, I, I got to a point where I'm like, oh, man, I don't really watch matches because yeah, I, so, I don't, yeah. it's not worth my time to, like, tell you about your right, match. Right, because they're not going to take your advice and, anyway, yeah, right. Yeah, because I'm going to hear back from some other dude that you fucking buried me because you didn't like my opinion of your match. Well, I'm sorry. Like, I, I wasn't trying to bury you. I'm trying to help you. Right. Like, I mean, I had a kid come up here today and apologize to me. That, but, like, he was like, I was in the wrong. You were just trying to help me. And I, I was in my feels instead of of in the business. Sure. He put and, a, put a motion to it yeah. instead of the business yeah. aspect of what you're trying to be, become a better wrestler and a better, yeah. And that's like, I mean, like everything I'll tell anybody is to make them a better wrestler. I don't have any agenda. Like, I mean, like I, like I said, I've, I've made mine. I got mine. I made a little bit of money while the wrestling business wasn't striving. Now the wrestling business is striving. So I'd like to see more people be able to make that living that I was able, that I was fortunate enough to make. And that's what I would much rather see. I mean, my time in ring, it may not be done, but it isn't going on to a next level. What, you know are, you, what, what are you, 40? Uh, 39, yeah, I'll be 40. You're 39 years yeah, old? Yeah. God, you're a kid, 21 bro. years in the I've been Kid in, was just hitting his stride uh, at 39. I know, right? <laughs> right? But uh, I got 21 years of, yeah, of breakdown on me. Yeah, yeah. right on. And yeah. that was kind of like. In uh, fact, Kit was thirty. Oops. Kit was 39 the year that we won the NWA World Tag Team titles. I believe that you know I used to go to those those NWA Southwest shows back in the day and I mean like I I love like you guys and you guys always had good matches with Dr. X and Bull Schmidt. Bull uh-huh. Schmidt went on had a great career. Had a great I mean, career deserved, up in Missouri. Very yeah. deserved. Went to Noah quite a bit. Right. Worked Japan. Yeah, I mean he Japan. was very very good hand. Yeah, was involved very heavily with the that with the Harley's group yeah, and yeah. Harley Race and the guys in Missouri and and he I mean he was already a good hand when you guys were working hand, yeah yep. yeah so it was good to see you know he's one of those guys that got something out of pro wrestling and and you know I mean you guys always like you could tell who the good wrestlers were and who the who the guys that shouldn't have been in there were and I mean or I could as a 17 year old so sure. I, I knew that that was something that that I could get behind I mean like I probably would have trained with you and Kit had you and your relationship with Ken not broken down and you guys would have kept the wrestling school. Yeah, Ken Taylor was our promoter there in NWA Southwest and uh, and we were running his, his wrestling school. But, uh, you know, um, Ken, was, Ken Taylor, unfortunately, was one of those guys that kind of, 
when you got success in the business, he became a little, you know, he became a little jealous yeah, of you. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, our relationship did break down. Yeah. He didn't realize that like, like the work aspect is what gets you over. And like, he thought that like he was shoot getting you guys over while you guys were getting over. Right. Like he thought he was the one that was getting you guys over. Yeah, it was the business was the one that accepted us and, yeah. and turned us in. You know, it was, yeah. the, it was the crowd. The, the, they, the, audience found something in what kit and i were doing and that you know it was the same time that the attitude era kicked off and so and we kind of that was our kind of our gimmick fuck everybody else get yeah. out of our fucking way you yeah know? yeah and team you know team extreme and you guys were working you, you barbed wire bats and fire and having fun and you know we like it was it was entertaining where a lot of that I stuff down beer in the back of the locker yeah room. yeah, yeah well you know i mean like I would say, like, by the time that we were working together at XCW, we probably drank 12-pack apiece by the time we went out to the ring <laughs> and go out there and have good matches. Yeah, great and matches. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, and, hell, I was probably only 21 at the time, you know? Yeah, like you I was a kid, man. I was, I was just a young kid, but, like, you guys saw it, and, and there were a lot of, like, the old guys all saw it. Like, they all knew, like, hey, this guy can work. And, you know, like, I would go out there and you know you guys would sell for me and and then i'd go out there and work with some of those young guys and then it looked stupid for you guys because we guys, were selling because you guys were selling the shit out of everything i would do and then these young guys didn't know to sell like i mean like like i feel like at one point my job like at xcw for scotty when he was booking was to like get rid of those guys that like didn't know how to work and sure. work part of the like because like I'd go into feuds with guys and I'd be like, what am I doing this feud for? And Scott would be like, oh, you'll see. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like he'd give me that. Yeah, it's oh, going to yeah. work out. Just, yeah. yeah. Quit asking so many goddamn questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, you don't need to know the answers to these things. Just keep watching and you'll see. Like, and then you see like, Yeah, we'll see, oh, see where we're yeah. going. Because we, it was funny because, you know, you would have a direction for an angle or a feud. And, but until... You, until a wrestling match happened, you didn't know where to go with the next direction. Well, and, and there was so much freedom to, like, let those guys do whatever they wanted in the matches, and especially, like, with you guys working with Adam and, and Scott, where, you know, not the greatest drunk hands. Adam and, yeah, and drunk Scott Adam Phoenix. and Scott Phoenix. Yeah. They weren't the greatest hands in the entire world, but, like... But we made were, them look like great hands. Them, yeah. You were right, getting, getting like, over. every little bit that they had, and then you were allowing... Like, the moment that you guys started selling for them is the moment that those dudes were over. Right. And, like, at the moment they were over, like, they got it. Right. Like, and, and, and they... It's, 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 it's sharing in the business. It's funny because, you know, so long in the business... When you came in as a new, uh, a young guy, the the uh, the veterans were were leery of you. They were leery of your abilities. They were leery of keeping the business kayfabe from you. They were leery that maybe if you got too good, you might take their spot. And so they didn't. They didn't always share everything. No. But then you get certain guys that you realize the real top-notch workers were the ones that would come over here and go, hey, kid, I saw you do this. 
try this instead of that, you know, yes. and share that knowledge of the business. And that's what these guys are doing here at uh, SWE. I feel like, yeah. Yeah, and, and you see the, the talent that they have around the building and, and not just like the guys that have, have, have had contracts in the past, but like Tokyo Monster Cahagas and Andrew Anderson and some of these guys that are just good, wily veterans that have been around the business a long yeah. time and that they just, they know how to work, they get the work, they understand the business and they're the type of guys that when they see something that, that can be better, they'll make it better. Right. And, the, the, and and there's a lot of guys around the business still like that, but we're all just so spread out so far around, you know, like yeah, there's we're not, not no, there's not any, they don't have the centralized territories because back in that day, you might work for world class here in Dallas. And then after you go, you might go to the Carolinas or you can go to Kansas City or you can go to St. Louis. Was, it was the t- same type of crew mentality, you know, so yeah. And I think like when you look around and you see like the kids that are here, they're they're getting something out of this. Whereas, whereas a lot of times you see seminars and it's like just some rolls and some bumps and like right. you know the guy takes twenty bucks from you right. and you know you. I mean, you already knew how to yeah, roll. Yeah, SW Fury is doing a really great job. It's it's the closest to the way the business was when I got in the business. You know the the wrestling, uh, the the feel of wrestling and and the the kind of uh, uh, good texas style entertainment that they're putting together agree agree and and then on top of that with with rodney and and jazz kind of leading the school they're gonna they're definitely going to get a lot out of it and a lot of knowledge and i've seen you know jack stain was up there running some school i mean jacks has been around for a long time and you know he's gotten a lot out of the business and yeah and then you always have james beard involved yeah and kevin sullivan i mean kevin sullivan and and, uh, and i saw gary uh gary Gary uh, young Young, running around here uh i'm gonna try and get him on the podcast here in a little yeah, hopefully he'll he'll overshadow all the stuff I <laughs> did. You know, does. it'll it'll always be much better than what I He's did. A I, I love Gary. You know, like um, gorgeous a Gary. Of years, a couple of years ago, I saw Gary Young at the Hall of Fame, and they were inducting Mick Foley. And I went up to those guys and told them that I enjoyed their tag team, and they're like. Who the hell are you to know about our tag? You know, oh, like because no one really knew about Devastation you know, Incorporated. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, it was hard. Like that's not that's not a well known thing that Cactus Gary, Jack Manson, and Gorgeous yeah, Gary. Young, yeah, right. that Gary and and Cactus were tag team partners for for probably oh, yeah. a year yeah, and were, a half here. Yeah. Like and they I mean, worked uh, they worked here in Dallas and they were really involved in the. Uh, uh, Memphis Territory and AWA and, so. and uh, I mean lots and lots of classic battles with the uh, rock and roll RPMs yep. and 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 guys that you know I mean Eric Embry Eric and Embry whoever he was tagging and, with that uh, night yeah. and uh, you know Je- I mean Je- uh, Jeff Jarrett and Eric Embry and, yeah. and 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 he was like how do you know about that stuff I'm like man just just I'm old school I'm, motherfucker I love it man yeah I knew all that stuff when I was a kid I would watch world class all the way up until 94 or whatever when it started becoming GWF and USWA yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, and then I would watch Global, and I mean, I, you know, and I know most of those guys now from Global, and 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 it's just like a good thing, like kind of looking back on. But I just I love the wrestling business, and and I love the stuff that was pre me, you know, like pre sure. my time in the wrestling business. Yeah, when like, you you had the aspect of actually looking at the business, not as a business, but you're looking at the business as a fan. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, we all um we all kind of hold that 
aspect of the wrestling, you know, the wrestling before we became the wrestler. Yeah, and I think, like, you'll always love the stuff that you fell in love with. You're exactly right. You know, like, so, like, I fell in love with, like, that territory NWA wrestling. Well, that's what I love. That's what, like, I love the idea of having a traveling champion and going all over the country and working 300 times a year. Like, I don't like the idea of it now, but, like, I mean, like, I would have loved to have, in my 20s, or been able, oh, you to, know, do been it, able yeah. to do that and, like, say, like, oh, yeah, I worked the Oregon Territory. I worked for Shire. I worked for, uh, you know Nick what I'm Goulas, saying? Yeah. yeah. Or, Work yeah, for all Paul the Bosch. Yeah. yeah, you work for Bosch. You work for the Guerreros. You work for yeah. the Funks. You work for Bulldog Bob Brown up in Kansas City or Harley yeah. and, or Munchnik. Or, you know, I'd love to be like one of those guys that like go, oh, yeah, man, when I was working for Munchnik or when I was working for the Sheik up in, up in Detroit. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, and, and, and like Crusher. And, yeah, it's just such a that was such a cool like Ganya had his thing and, and the Florida, you know, working for the Grams or working for the Andersons. And Dusty Georgia, running the book yeah. and Florida. Florida and, yeah. and or or Watts with with uh, with um, Grizzly running the book or or you know it'd be cool to have like those stories you know like 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 I like I'm envious of like guys like Johnny Mantel getting to tell his stories about the territory sure. days and I would have loved to have been a part of that and I would have loved to have had a chance to like get that same thing out of the wrestling business that that those guys but I think I did in my own way you know like I sure well you definitely pulled it. You definitely pulled something out of the wrestling business that wasn't there anymore. You kind of felt like you Fun. did that, right? Fun, like that's what, like I feel like, you know, I I look at it and and in two thousand and seven or eight or whatever, whenever I kind of started doing the manimal thing, there weren't gimmicks, right? There weren't a ton of fun gimmicks or even gimmicks, and like because like whenever I started doing the manimal, everybody just assumed it was going to be like Kamala, so I had to be a bad guy, and right. you know, like and like. Like I think I like I kind of changed that to where fun gimmicks could be, like like you see gimmicks all over the place now. Every like AEW's got twenty five gimmicks on their TV program, and, right. and Ring of Honor's got a couple of gimmicks, and they, you know like like guys like Danhausen and and you know PCO are doing gimmicks now. So it's like it's like I I. I I don't know that I made it cool because there were a lot of cool people in the wrestling business way before me and there'll be a lot of cool people in the wrestling business way after right. me. But like if, if I had a little part in making gimmicks cool again, dude, like I, like I'll take that to the bank, you know. That's awesome. That's that's a that's a that's a really good way to kind of wrap this up, man. Perfect, man. Hey man, I appreciate you coming on uh, and anything you want to say to anybody, anybody you want to say hello to out there? Just, you know, Keep supporting pro wrestling because these guys, especially here at SWE, they're working hard, and I know they're working hard all over the place. And if anybody uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area is interested in uh, getting into the wrestling business and training, I have an open gym or open ring that I pretty much leave open every every Tuesdays and Thursdays. And if you want to learn to train, you're more than welcome to, to hit me up, and, and we'll How we'll can get they get started. in contact with you, Bull? Um, um, Bull Pro on Facebook or uh, um, um, the Manimal Bull uh, on Twitter and I'll and Manimal Bull on Instagram and uh, you know just reach out to me and uh, hopefully soon yeah if you want to get your foot in the wrestling business that's a that's a great way to start yeah and 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 I and I'll, all I can try, all I can tell you is you're going to get reps awesome thanks Bull we appreciate you taking this time man hey Cutthroat thanks for having me <laughs> all on, right man. buddy all right bye.